Donald Trump has tweeted out that the big tech social media companies are being controlled by the radical left and that something will be done to remedy this illegal situation. He tweeted out a video from a group called America First, which was a speech by Michelle Malkin, which shortly after disappeared. Now, they're claiming that it was deleted by Twitter. I can't confirm that, but it's entirely possible just considering Twitter often removes videos that Donald Trump will tweet out. Now, many people will try and tell you there's no such thing as bias on social media. Then they'll, they'll move the goalposts once you prove it and say, oh, but it's a private company. They can ban whoever they want. It's not social media bias. You don't understand the First Amendment. The reality is these big tech companies absolutely are biased in favor of the tribal left. Now, something strange has been happening ever since the culture war evolved more into politics of 2020. Instead of talking about issues of hate speech, We're now dealing with censorship relating to the coronavirus pandemic simply based on what Donald Trump has supported. It's the weirdest thing. We're seeing videos of doctors being removed, actual experts having their videos taken down because their opinion is contrary or counter to what the mainstream media has been saying. This is the evolution of the culture war social media censorship. It's not even about right or left-wing policy anymore. It's about supporting particular tribes. Now, Donald Trump's tweet comes just after it was announced that the feds, the Justice Department, state's attorneys are likely to bring antitrust lawsuits against Google. This is huge. This this will be one of the biggest antitrust cases, assuming it happens since the 90s. Many people have argued it needs to happen because, well, these companies are too powerful. Look, I'm on YouTube. I benefit greatly from YouTube. But the reality is many other platforms can't even compete because Google controls so much of the internet environment. It's not just about video hosting. It's about advertising in general and how many other companies can't raise the money to even go up against Google. But there are serious considerations when it comes to how we deal with these things. Andrew Yang, for instance, said, Does anyone really want to use Bing? No, we like Google. Google is the service we use. It's the tool. How could there be other search engines? But I have a point I want to bring up as we get into the story. Right now, the Democrats have voted to allow remote voting in the House. Republicans are slamming Nancy Pelosi, calling this a power grab, that she can basically pass bills without even any, uh, you know, any counter arguments because people will just vote from home. They say it's a bad thing. Well, the argument is because of the coronavirus pandemic, we need remote voting. Otherwise, there won't be a session of Congress at all. The Senate disagrees. But here's my question. They argue that these big tech companies are private businesses that can do whatever they want. It's a private company, right? And the First Amendment doesn't apply to them. Well, let me then bring this up. If you're going to tell us in your big cities, in New York, in California or, or elsewhere, that we're not allowed to gather and peacefully assemble, peaceably assemble. Like New York, for instance, Mayor Bill de Blasio and the NYPD commissioner said no protesting allowed. Well, that is a suspension of our right to assemble and speak. If they can get remote voting and handle civics over the internet, why shouldn't we have our rights guaranteed as well? If we're not allowed to speak in public, then I will say this. First of all, I don't agree with people being arrested and with protests being shut down, though they're trying to do it. But if you want to argue in favor of that, then I'll say, fine, the compromise would be we get free speech on social media platforms. If we can't go out and do it physically because of the because of the pandemic, then I demand, then we should demand free speech on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter or otherwise. Right. 
kind of throws them a private company argument out the window. If the Democrats, if the House, if they get to vote remotely, even though these are serious legal matters, then why can't we have these protections as well? The future is very different than, uh, you know, our, our communication in the future, or I should say in the present, is very different from when the Bill of Rights was created. We do most of our political discourse right here on the internet. So Donald Trump may be a bit hyperbolic when he says that the radical left is in control of everything. I think it's more nuanced than that. But I do think we need to solve this problem, both because of the coronavirus pandemic, but also because, you know, think about how it works, uh, how, how it could be in the future with Neuralink. If we synchronize ourselves like we already st- are starting to with, so- with, with mobile phones into the internet for communications and civics, and we don't have any rights, then when companies like Twitter, YouTube, or, or anyone else bans doctors, we put our health at risk. For who? For, for, for companies that are scared of losing money? Well, this is a particularly long intro, so let's get started and read what Trump said. Before we do, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. I know, I know. A lot of people don't want to hear what I have to say, and that's fine. Maybe you'll find some people who will. But more importantly, big tech companies, hey, look what we're talking about, prop up the mainstream media. YouTube's algorithm is favoring CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. I can't compete with that. They got YouTube on their side and they got the big ad bucks. If you want to help me out, the best way to actually counter this is by sharing the video because that's the most effective way to market. Otherwise, if you just want to watch, hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell. Maybe that'll be enough. Let's read. Bloomberg reports, Donald Trump accused Facebook Inc., Twitter Inc., and Alphabet Inc.'s Google of being controlled by the radical left and said that his administration is working to remedy what he called an illegal situation. In a tweet that also mentions that Facebook owned Instagram, the U.S. president commented on a clip by conservative blogger Michelle Malkin lambasting the so-called deplatforming of conservative voices by technology companies. Trump didn't elaborate on potential measures targeting the tech giants. Malkin, in a recent post on her Twitter account, said that she would not be taking the Gates vaccine. I don't care about that. That's completely irrelevant. But let me show you the tweet from Trump because something very interesting happened. Here's, the, here's Donald Trump's tweet, but it says the tweet is unavailable. The video that he posted, which was conservative commentator Michelle Malkin talking about censorship and free speech, is gone. According to America First, they say Twitter deleted this tweet after real Donald Trump shared it. Censorship in America is out of control. We then have this tweet from Michelle Malkin who says, we see you playing games. And then she says some choice words to particular individuals. I'm not going to read. But she posts a screenshot of the tweet being unavailable. And then this post from America First. Now, she didn't outright say the tweet was deleted, but America First did. I can't confirm that. It's entirely possible America First deleted the tweet to make it seem like censorship. But I honestly don't want to be conspiratorial. So the best I can say is the tweet was removed somehow. Here's the problem. Twitter has a track record of removing posts from the president. There was one point where someone at Twitter actually deleted the president's account. I guess they were quitting and on their way out. I don't remember the full story, but it was something to that effect. Twitter doesn't get the benefit of the doubt on this uh, benefit of the doubt on this one. While I'm not going to be so hard as to say I know, I lean towards Twitter <laughs> removed the tweet and they had to repost it because that's what Twitter's done. Now, there's a bigger question I want to bring up. But I do want to read this Justice Department Google antitrust, and this is huge. This is like a major move being taken against Google in terms of their monopoly. But before, I want to ask this question. 
I believe that conservatives are at risk of going extinct. I have said as much in a previous video because they are losing the social media battle. They may, they may, it may turn around. They may start winning. But for the time being, we have seen Donald Trump speak a whole lot and never actually do anything. I mean, what did he do? He put out an email list before like, hey, if you've been a victim of censorship, send us your email. What happened? Now, maybe he's waiting to the last minute. I don't know. But as high profile Trump supporters continue to get banned and removed, there's a couple arguments that can be made. The first is that if this doesn't stop, Trump will lose. His highest profile supporters, the people rallying to Trump's defense are disappearing. And the media is being dominated by left wing narratives. Reddit, for example, started to ban conservatives. And it created uh, this effect where conservatives would leave the platform. And then Reddit became dominated by left wing propaganda and fake news. Now, of course, the right has its propaganda and fake news, too. But if you go to Reddit, one of the biggest websites in the world for content, you're only seeing anti-Trump memes. That's going to cause serious harm for Donald Trump. Perhaps there's another argument, one I've made as well. This, is, this might actually help Donald Trump. If Twitter begins removing the worst actors in the conservative movement, all that's left are suit-wearing regular people. You get rid of the more bombastic personalities, and then Trump's base looks professional and clean. And if they don't get rid of the far left activists, they look nuts and regular people will see this and the media will start to chase after insanity. I think that's one potential. But I do have this story from The Hill. Are conservatives merely wimps on the path to extinction? I can counter this. But first, let's see what's going on with Google. The Wall Street Journal reports both the Justice Department and a group of state's attorneys, uh, attorneys general, are likely to file antitrust lawsuits against Alphabet Inc.'s Google and are well into planning for litigation, according to people familiar with the matter. The Justice Department is moving toward bringing a case as soon as this summer, some of the people said. At least some state's attorneys general, led by Texas Attorney General, general uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton, a Republican, are likely to file a case probably in the fall, people with the, familiar with the matter said. Much of the state's investigation is focused on Google's online advertising business. The company owns the dominant tool at every link in the complex chain between online publishers and advertisers. The Justice Department likewise is making Google's ad technology one of its points of emphasis. But it, all, but it is also focusing more broadly on concerns that Google uses its dominant search business to stifle competition. People familiar with the matter said, I'm going to go ahead and argue there is a strong, there's a strong argument they do. If you go on Google and search for Tim Pool YouTube, guess what? I don't come up. YouTube has removed my channels from Google search. Now, why would they do that? We can speculate. I didn't break any rules. I actually have a very successful channel. So what real reason would they have for removing my channel and many others from search? It could be that there's uh, it's political, ideological, or it could be they use this to stifle uh, 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 competition and rivals. And when I talk negatively about YouTube, and I do all the time, they remove that negative opinion. This video, for instance, where I'm criticizing Google and YouTube, which I benefit from, I understand, for their censorship and for their algorithmic manipulation, will be suppressed on Google. Now, that sounds like they're trying to benefit and protect their business, and they're using their position to do so. But I understand I'm making a bit of a stretch here. The point is, I'm not going to argue as to why they're removing certain individuals from their search. But if Google uses their search in a way to stifle negative opinion of the practices they're engaging in, 
it stands to reason maybe they're doing it to protect their business so they can they can continue being biased. And one of the reasons I think I might actually be censored on the Google search platform is because I routinely point out that Google is censoring people not necessarily for political opinion, but to protect themselves in uh, when it pertains to advertising. If Google is censoring people because of rule violations, okay, fine. You can argue, but I'm a private company, but I've broken no rules. In which case, why are they censoring my channel? Could it be that I correctly have pointed out, in my opinion, that YouTube's fear and their censorship actually has to do with protecting their advertisement business, their dominant position, perhaps, or I'm just stretching it. But we can see this is, this is the main target of their business. Now, I don't know if this will have anything to do with social media censorship. It very likely won't. But let's go to the bigger question here. Are conservatives merely wimps on the path to extinction? I don't necessarily need to read the article. You get the point being made. Let me, let me point out something to you. Tara Reid. When Brett Kavanaugh was attacked, conservatives went on the defensive. When Tara Reid was attacked, some conservatives were defensive, pointing out the double standard. A lot of conservatives actually called her out too. She's the woman who accused Joe Biden. The problem with fighting on principle and demanding a fair play is that the people who are cheating will always, will always cheat. If the Democrats on the left were willing to use these uh, techniques and tactics against Donald Trump, you know, against his his appointee, Brett Kavanaugh, and then when it came to Tara Tara Reid, they dropped all, you know, this this entire idea, what they claimed were their morals. Republicans playing fair will always be at a disadvantage. Stands to reason. If conservatives, and many of them do, say, but my private business, you're, you're, you're gone. You'll be wiped out. And I've made this argument over and over again. Hey, I don't care. I don't cons- I'm not a conservative. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly milquetoast fence sitter uh, individual. And I've argued this with conservatives. If, if you keep defending these companies purging you from what is now the principal way we communicate, don't be surprised when your ideas are gone. But it gets worse. As I mentioned earlier, the culture war has evolved well beyond just hate speech, conservative, liberal. It's evolved well beyond, you know, uh, do you want a flat tax or a progressive tax? We don't even talk about these things anymore. We barely talk about universal health care. I do think if we're having, as I mentioned earlier as well, if, the, if there's an argument going on right now about the need for universal basic income due to automation, then shouldn't we also have an argument about the rights of internet-based free speech if, this is, if, if the internet is dominating where we share ideas? The culture war has evolved into something new. Take a look at this story. This is from John Levine of the New York Post. YouTube censors epidemiologist Nut Witowski Witkowski for opposing lockdown. Donald Trump said liberate. What happens? Elon Musk wants to reopen his factory. And all of a sudden, the tribal left predictably calls Elon Musk a horrible person and a monster. They attack him. They insult all the protesters. The culture war now has almost nothing to do with, with, with any kind of core principle. I mean, obviously, there's still people like me and, and the people who follow, you know, like all of you watching who believe in free speech, liberty, and, and, and you know, principles. But for, I mean, the left just basically has devolved into whatever you say we oppose. So if an epidemiologist now comes out, this guy had a video with 1.3 million views, and he was arguing against the lockdown. YouTube removed his video, and he doesn't know why. We also saw a video of two doctors. I don't know if I have this one pulled up. No, this is something different. We had a video of two doctors who were expressing why they thought the lockdown was wrong as well. YouTube took that video down. Why? 
So I, I bring up this Wisconsin story. It is relevant. They say after Wisconsin court ruling, crowds liberated and thirsty to send on bars. We're the Wild West, Governor Tony Evers says. Well, hold on. The rule of law in Wisconsin is that you cannot have these lockdowns. Why would YouTube be censoring videos opposing the lockdown when in some states that is the law? Why would YouTube be advocating for a violation of the law? I don't know. It seems to make no sense. Now, you, you can argue that conservatives may end up being wiped out. That's one of the big things I wanted to point out. But the reason I'm showing these stories is, is to, it's to kind of counter that. It's not even about being conservative anymore. I don't even know what it really means. The people who are showing up to bars aren't all, aren't all conservative. And then I want to show you this right here. And, and, and I've got a lot more to, to, to go through. But this is a poll from Gallup showing that in 2019, people who identify as liberal actually went down for the first time in like 10 years. And people identifying as conservative actually started to go up while people who identified as moderate stayed the same. I don't think conservatives are going, to be, are, are going to be wiped out. In fact, I think with Donald Trump tweeting this, whether or not he actually does anything, I think conservatives are actually starting to see a major benefit. They're actually starting to win. I think with the victories we saw for the Republican Party in California's 25th and Wisconsin's 7th show that conservatives may absolutely be dominating. People might finally be waking up now to the fact that the Democrats aren't doing anything for anyone or that these big tech companies are just desperately trying to pander and censor whatever they think goes against leftist tribalism. I really don't know what it is other than the people who are scared of breaking ranks. If you're someone like me, you know, I've talked about a ton of controversial issues. Don't care. I talk about what I want, even if conservatives are mad at me, even if liberals are mad at me. And I have said, it's only a matter of time before the conservatives get mad at me. Because when I, you know, during Occupy Wall Street, the left was cheering me on, conservatives were critical, and it flipped because I adhere to my principles, what I think is, is, is true and correct. What we're seeing with YouTube, in my opinion, isn't so much about whether or not they are left or right in terms of politics. It's about they think the dominant cultural force is the left. I don't think so anymore. And that's the, that's the point I was making with the Gallup poll. It's shifting. 37% of, so this article from Gallup says, the U.S. remained center-right ideologically in 2019. If conservatives make up the largest faction and Democrats or liberals are shrinking, then it stands to reason conservatives aren't going to be wiped out. They're actually growing. They might continue to grow. And with this devastating victory, or I should say the devastating defeat of Democrats in CA25, conservatives may be on track to win. If at some point YouTube realizes they're actually advocating for, for uh, law-breaking, and that they're actually censoring experts, they might have to make a serious change. I don't know if that will happen, but I think these big tech companies, while many of the people who work there are biased, are leftist, we just saw recently Google is, is, has been uh, uh, shuttering one of their uh, diversity and inclusion programs. And according to NBC News, they're slowly doing away with it. I think they're starting to realize they bet on the wrong horse. Their censorship makes no sense. Look at this story from the New York Post, right? They say, Witkowski, 65, is a ferocious critic of the nation's current steps to fight the coronavirus. He has, de he has derided social distancing, saying it only prolongs the virus ex existence, and has attacked the current lockdown as mostly unnecessary. They mention that YouTube removed a video of him talking about the virus, which had racked up more than 1.3 million views. Why? He's literally an expert. I think at a certain point, YouTube has to recognize they've bet on the wrong horse. I take a look at a lot of these movies that have come out, you know, the ones that have gotten, they, they say, go uh, get woke or go broke. Not every single woke film 
has gone broke. Or I, I should say not every single woke campaign has gone broke. Uh, Captain Marvel, for instance, from the MCU was fairly woke and it made a ton of money, but people are kind of mixed on it. We recently saw Birds of Prey. Yes, this is relevant. Let me, let me, let, let me, uh, you know, explain. As these companies start to realize they're losing money, as YouTube starts to realize they're risking their bottom line, as people lose faith in mainstream news media, at a certain point, these companies need to ask themselves, are they going to destroy their own business simply because they're late to the party? They bet on the wrong horse. They bet on the left. Well, people got sick and tired of it and their opinions are shifting. I think what we're seeing is, is Twitter, Facebook, YouTube are late to the party. Very early on, they were all very, very much excited, eager to suspend and censor conservative opinion. But something started changing. Mark Zuckerberg even came out in favor of free speech at one point. But he, he did recently appoint a very social justice board, independent review board. So it, it's hard to know if conservatives are winning you know, or losing in certain respects. But I, I will say, in my opinion, it stands to reason conservatives actually have actually turned the tide and slowly started to win. Uh, look, the fact that Jack Dorsey would even have the conversation with me last year shows that they didn't understand what was going on. And the conversation ultimately ended with them saying, oh, thank you for the feedback. If these companies want to make money, they need to go where the money is. And as their demographic shrinks, they need to adapt. So outside of them even being, you know, I'll put it this way. We can argue that maybe they're ideological, maybe they weren't. But here's what I think. I think ultimately they're just thinking about how they can make money. And that's really what it comes down to. And as we've seen in politics, everything flows in one direction. If you come out as right wing, you're greeted with a parade. If you, come, if, you, if you move to the left, you're scrutinized and attacked. The left tries to recruit through fear and cancellation and attacks. And the right tries to recruit through love and acceptance and, you know, a pizza party. And that's not even my opinion. Everybody, everybody recognizes this. Slowly over time, it's, it, this is a one-way valve. People can be pushed out of the left very easily and not be welcomed back. Guess what happens? The largest portion of the market will be conservative and these social media companies will see their, their bottom line shrink and a real risk emerge because this creates the opportunity for real competition. In that regard, I think YouTube is very, uh, very eager to prop up some conservative voices. I think we're seeing a, a change in YouTube. And I'll tell you something I noticed. For the longest time, I've seen YouTube overtly just propping up Fox News. Most people have told me this. Recently, it's changed. And now we're starting to see more channels start to come back into the autoplay rotation, including mine, which is surprising, still very much so less than the mainstream media. But I think these big tech companies realized you can try to pander to the press, but as less and less people trust the press, your safer bet is to side with the, the, the people, the crowd, the largest portion of the market. That doesn't mean that what this market wants is correct. It doesn't mean that conservatives are right. It just means that initially YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook thought this is where the money is, just favor these people. And now that that seems to be changing, now they're starting to back away and say, okay, okay, now how do we transition to get the money from the other people? I'll tell you what, maybe you just don't be biased in the first place. Maybe you just have these rules be standardized. Here's the problem. YouTube will never Google will never, uh, Facebook, all these companies will never be able to successfully monetize off of a leftist ideology because they complain about everything. It's a circular firing squad. You can never be pure enough. 
And no matter what Google does, they will always, always complain. If you want to run ads and you want to be safe and you want to be successful, the best position is to be on the free speech side. Because then if anyone tries to cancel, you can just fan it off and say free speech. And there's more people who want free speech than don't. Or I should say, at least the people who want free speech are consistent on what they find offensive. Donald Trump tweeted about the radical left. Does that mean he's actually going to do anything? I really doubt it. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out, I guess. Right now, YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and all these companies are on the wrong side of this. The lockdowns are being deemed unconstitutional in, and many states are even opening up. Why then would YouTube ban this content? I honestly have no idea. But they're late to the party. They have no idea what's happening. And it's about time they just put down the ban hammer. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast News. And I will see you all then. I rag on CNN a lot. And it may just be one network, but I do make many videos dragging CNN, notably their media correspondents, often Don Lennon. And at the same time, I'm very critical of them for just ragging on Fox News. On the surface, it may seem like I'm being a bit hypocritical. And you know what? If you want to argue that, by all means do so. I am absolutely open to being criticized. But I think this story here from Newsbusters is the perfect example of the point I'm trying to make with why CNN is so awful. Now, I've been saying for a while that CNN is performative rage bait garbage, the reality TV trash. There's a big difference between what Fox News does, having conservative opinion, supporting the president very often, and what CNN does. And this story, Don Lemon is basically trying to get a governor to block Elon Musk's Tesla from moving to the state. Now, why would an anchor reporting the news and asking questions pressure a Democratic governor to take action against someone for no other reason than it's a, it's a tribal issue? I can't quite understand, to be honest, other than they're trying to signal to their base. CNN is not news. If you want to argue that Fox News is biased and supports the president, do so. It's fine. They often do. They're often biased. They sometimes run really dumb segments, say on like Fox and Friends or whatever, but that's okay. That's opinion, right? If, if Tucker Carlson wants to talk about Russiagate, if Hannity wants to talk about Obamagate, okay, they're talking about news issues and they're giving their opinion. But why would Don Lemon actually falsely, nonetheless, try to uh, get a Democratic governor to block Tesla? See, Elon Musk was going to, uh, he announced he wanted to move his company, right? And many of you may have, may have seen the story. He was upset that Alameda County was blocking him. Gavin Newsom of California allowed manufacturing to resume. We actually have the quote here. This is from May 11th. They just, they straight up say that, manu- quote, manufacturing broadly throughout the state of California is no longer restricted with modifications. It was Alameda County that was specifically blocking Elon Musk. Elon Musk took issue with this because Governor Gavin Newsom was on board with manufacturing being restarted. CNN's Don Lemon lies, makes it seem like Elon Musk was defying Newsom and that this Democratic governor in, I believe, Colorado, by supporting and encouraging Tesla to move his factory, was somehow also going against Gavin Newsom. This is activism. This is political partisanship for no other reason that Trump supports the economy being reopened. Therefore, if Elon Musk wants to reopen his factory, oh, it must be awful. This is the problem with CNN. When, when Oliver Darcy or Brian Stelter complain about Fox News, and boy, do they, that's one network. You're not talking about media integrity. You're complaining about one network's opinion. They also drag One American News. Fine. You want to you criticize their opinions? Okay. 
But isn't it weird how obsessed they are with everything must be anti-Trump? Everything. When I criticize CNN, it's for things like this. This is the perfect example of them lobbying politicians. Yeah, okay. Fox News isn't doing that. Fox News is just biased. CNN is actively lobbying and playing a role in politics. That's why they're so awful. Let's read the story. Newsbusters says, Lemon scolds Polis for inviting Musk to relocate to Colorado. Earlier this week, Colorado Governor Jared Polis had a message for Tesla founder Elon Musk, who threatened to move his company's headquarters out of California after local health officials prevented him from reopening his factory. Talking to Twitter, uh, talking to Twitter, Polis told Musk, talking to Twitter, we want you here. This did not sit well with CNN Tonight Don Lemon, who scolded Polis on Wednesday night for rolling out the welcome mat for the defiant Musk. Lemon admonished a liberal Democrat for inviting Musk to relocate his factory to Colorado after he announced that he would defy orders to reopen the Tesla plant in California. Lemon asked, do you want him in Colorado if he's defying public health guidance in California? Apparently the answer was yes, Don. Polis didn't back down, explaining that we would be very excited if Tesla would locate in Colorado, describing his state as a great place to grow a business and a great place for manufacturing. The Democrat worked to ensure Lemon that his desire to see Tesla relocate to his state was for the long run, because this is likely a transition that could be a year or two years. Lemon was not impressed. Quote, why would you want someone who is defying orders to? I understand the business part of it, but I mean, come on, governor. He continued to chastise Polis. You're a governor. You're not making a fellow governor Gavin Newsom's job any easier. Imagine if it was the reverse. If Governor Newsom had done the same thing you were doing, you'd be like, hey, Governor Newsom, what are you doing? Come on, man. What, what are you talking about? If Elon Musk wants to leave, it has nothing to do with Gavin Newsom. And Gavin Newsom already opened manufacturing. CNN is just stuffing time lying, but they're, they're lobbying a politician to block a company for no legitimate reason. That's my problem with CNN. He said, uh, prior to scolding Paulus for inviting Musk to Colorado, the conversation focused on Paulus's visit to the White House and a restaurant in Castle Rock, Colorado, uh, Castle Rock, Colorado, reopening its dining room in defiance of an order issued by the governor. The CNN hack, I, I appreciate that newsbusters, but you know, come on, tried to bait Paulus into trashing President Trump. You were in the room when, when the president took a swipe at Dr. Fauci. What went through your mind when you heard that? Paulus acknowledged that he wasn't sure exactly what he was talking about with Fauci. The conversation about the restaurant reopening featured the usual liberal talking points, with Lemon calling the disobedience nuts and Paulus slamming the foolish behavior of people at the restaurant, contrasting them with the vast majority of Americans who care deeply about their own lives, the lives of their family members, and the lives of their neighbors. In the, in, in the age of coronavirus, CNN has found a new purpose, defend lockdowns at all costs and impugn the motives of those who refuse to abide by them. A transcript of the relevant portion of Wednesday's CNN Tonight is below. Click expand, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to read that. But that's the point. The resistance people, CNN, Don Lemon, Brian Sutter, Oliver Darcy, they don't actually care about any of this because there's no real principle behind just being mad about one biased network. I rag on CNN specifically for their political lobbying. Uh, I should say one of the reasons I do. And you know what? I'm not happy about it either. I've talked about this moral and ethical issue quite a bit. We, we talked about it last time in the podcast. Are we just playing the same game by me saying, oh, CNN's awful. Am I playing the same game? It's like a never ending, you know, dominoes falling over. It is, it's the toilet bowl. We're all swirling around. But what are we supposed to do? I honestly don't know. 
I'll tell you this. I do not believe CNN's criticism of Trump, Musk, of uh, uh, the lockdowns of Fox News are legitimate. And that's the problem. I believe my grievances with them are legitimate. And maybe that's, you know, you'll end up with resistance people saying, uh, you know, it, everybody thinks they're right. They think their, their grievances are legitimate. I just, I just don't see it. Listen, listen, man, Don Lemon is wrong. He's falsely framing the argument. As I al- have already shown you, this is from ABC7. Elon Musk's uh, a dispute was with Alameda County, of which he won that dispute. And Gavin Newsom's spokespeople straight up said manufacturing broadly throughout California is not restricted without modification. That was the issue. So why then drag a governor and make it seem like Gavin Newsom is having his, his job made harder? It's just not the case. Check this out. Video highlighting CNN host Brian Stelter's obsession with Russia investigation goes viral. This is exactly the issue. Do you know who Jennifer Rubin is? I, I feel bad for Dave Rubin because he shares a last name with her. Jennifer Rubin is a, I'm doing air quotes here, conservative columnist. But it just so happens that, I, you know, I'm, I am thoroughly impressed at the stupidity of these resistance people that you can lie to their faces And so long as it satisfies their emotions, they just roll with it. That's another problem I have. In this culture war, there is a very big gap between both sides having to do with emotion and logic. You look at the people who like Ben Shapiro. Facts don't care about your feelings, logic, blah, blah, blah. Of course, people on the right can get very emotional. Everybody can. The left seems to be guided by it. I should say the broader left. And so what that ends up happening is you get Brian Stelter, Brian Stelter for years goes, Russia, 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 Russia. And then he comes out and says, why are all these right wing media uh, uh, outlets so concerned about Michael Flynn? They care more about this than COVID. It's like, bro, you, you for years were talking nonstop about Russia. This is the issue I take with these people. This is why my content tends to be biased in one direction, because I don't think there's a legitimate grievance for the most part. I, I, there's a tendency. Think about all of these things that have happened over the past several, several years. Russia Gate was fake news. Ukraine Gate was fake news. The impeachment failed. Jesse Smollett, Covington. I, I bring this up as examples of the tendency of the cultural left to just be wrong, and they don't stop. You take a look at what happened with, with the Me Too movement and Joe Biden, and what do you get? The Jennifer Rubin woman I brought up, perfect example. When it, she, she will tweet, I believe, you know, Brett Kavanaugh is a bad person. You know, I'm, I'm being hyperbolic, mind you. And then she'll tweet about uh, Tara Reid and Joe Biden that this allegation is wrong. Tara Reid, it's, it's purely emotional reactive confirmation bias tribalism. This is as grifting as they come. And it's, it, it, it's sad. It's sad because there are people who are just not smart enough to see through this. You get what Brian Stelter does. And boy, did he devolve into a, a despicable, absolute, it's crazy uh, because I used to say he wasn't that bad. The same was true for Oliver Darcy. They're both the media correspondents. Darcy interviewed me in 2016 about the threat of internet censorship. He used to be a conservative writer. He was working for Business Insider. Now all he does is rag on Fox News all day. It's like, bro, expand your repertoire, man. It's like you're a one hit wonder. But it's weird. Why are you obsessed with this one thing? What we see from Don Lemon is that CNN's goal is to just be, well, actually, Brian Stelter said this, to channel the rage of the public, he says. What does that mean? It means the content you get from them is pandering to the audience. Dare I say, siding with the audience. If you're familiar with my story, I've told it quite a bit. 
when I worked for Fusion, which was an ABC News Univision joint venture, I was told to side with the audience. And that's exactly what CNN has learned to do. They have found their market and they will just side with them. That means they won't tell you. They won't inform you. They're not going to give you legitimate information. They're going to give you hyperpartisan rage bait, fake news. That's the worst part of it. It's fake. Don Lemon, when he brought up Gavin Newsom, was lying, or I should say falsely framing or misleading his audience. There is no dispute with Elon Musk and Newsom as far as we can see in the story, because Elon Musk waited for Newsom to reopen manufacturing. Alameda County was the dispute. So why would then Don Lemon ask Paulus, oh, you're going to make it harder for Gavin Newsom. What if he did that to you? Well, Gavin Newsom agrees. Everybody would want Tesla to move his factory. That's 10,000 jobs. It's going to bolster the economy. People are going to love the politicians for pulling that off. Let's read the story from Fox News. They say a video montage posted by the Washington Free Beacon highlighting CNN media critic Brian Stelter's change of heart regarding whether or not the Russia probe is newsworthy has gone viral. Free Beacon reporter David Rutz noticed Stelter said Sunday that he was disappointed in right wing media's obsession with recent revelations about the Russia probe and its origins, calling it insignificant in the light of the coronavirus pandemic. Rutz wrote that Stelter's Sunday morning show was focused heavily on the drip, drip, drip of Robert Mueller's Russia investigation for years, even though it ultimately found no evidence of a conspiracy between Trump and the Kremlin. To illustrate the apparent hypocrisy, the Free Beacon published a supercut of Stelter's recent comments, followed by scores of instances over the last over the years he discussed the investigation himself. The montage quickly went viral, racking up 1.4 million views since it was published on Tuesday night. The big issue I see with what Brian Stelter did is that right-wing media isn't only obsessed with the Flynn story. What Stelter said was like, why are they talking about Michael Flynn when they could be talking about COVID? It was because Donald Trump did, uh, uh, did an interview where he talked quite a bit about Michael Flynn. But Donald Trump also talked about COVID. And right-wing media also talked a lot about COVID. Brian Stelter was acting like right-wing media was just not talking about it at all. Simply because they did have some conversations about Flynn and they had other conversations about COVID doesn't mean that they weren't talking about it. That's what Brian Stelter's trying to make, make the claim. He's like, I can't believe they would talk about Michael Flynn. People are dying every day. And it's like, you can talk about two things. That's the lie. They're lying. Brian is lying. He, he used to be a news guy. Isn't that crazy? He used to be a media critic. Now he's just fake news reality TV. They say, as of Wednesday morning, the conservative paper's video was retweeted thousands of times and picked up a ton of engagement with much of the feedback mocking Stelter. One person saying, the fact that he can make these absolutely hypocritical comments and get away with them says a lot about the network that employs him and its viewers. Another person said, what? This man is a non-thinking, irrational, TDS, overwhelmed. Okay, I don't, I don't need those comments. I, I would like, to, I, I, even among the criticism Fox News is throwing back at Stelter, I'd like to keep it to actual arguments. Caleb Pohl says, there is no one in media less intelligent than Brian Stelter. I don't like any of that. Okay, look, if you want to make an argument, you want to argue against somebody, then you should be doing it. I, 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 I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of what CNN does. I don't like it if people do it back. And that's where I, I try to navigate this in terms of ethics, morality. And I try to break down that, that, that understanding, you know, the, the question of which side is actually in the right. That's why I highlight the several times the left has been absolutely wrong, because there is a tendency among the cultural left to react emotionally and get things wrong. Take a look at the Arbery case. New information is now coming out about that related to text messages 
that were sent to the two men who, you know, who, and yeah, I'm, I don't want to get into the full details of Barbara. I'm going to leave it out. But there's new, new information coming out. The police had texted the homeowner. The homeowner had, is now lying about whether or not anything was stolen from his property. He said it was, and he said it wasn't. The story is complicated. It's confusing. Political interests, mob mentality, threats of violence. And so what we need is a calm, sane, and rational approach to understand what's happening. Now, I'm also going to I'll throw some shade at the conservatives over this one because they just jumped on board with the emotional, reactive, uh, nonsense uh, commentary. And that's not good either. Fox News has its problems with, you know, hyperbolic content. This is why, uh, you know, I like Tucker Carlson, but I don't uh, I'm not a big fan of Laura Ingram or Hannity because I view them as very bombastic, hyper partisan personalities. Tucker Carlson is kind of moderate. And he calls it where it's fair, in my opinion. And he has on guests that, that, that counter and he has actual debates. Brian Stelter is the opposite of that. Brian, so while Tucker Carlson will have on Antifa, will invite the left and they'll have silly arguments and debates. And yes, sometimes Tucker has bad guests. He tries. I can respect that. Brian Stelter, on the other hand, only has the same echo chamber fake news people coming on saying the same fake news echo chamber garbage. Why is it? And, and why doesn't anyone notice that there's something strange about just ragging on Fox News all day? Oh, they can argue, but Fox News gets the highest ratings. Now, look, man, I've got criticisms with the media in general because ABC, ABC News has been wrong. They've published fake news in the past few years. You've got CBS and uh, being called out for fake news using fake images. They, they did this thing where they, uh, I believe it was CBS. They did, uh, uh, they, they used a scene from Italy to claim it was the US. These are things you can call out. And they occur all across the entire media spectrum. There's a serious problem with ethics in media. Yeah, heard that one before. But with Fox News, it's just one outlet. So the, the issues I take with CNN are not the same as how CNN goes after Fox News. And that's the point I'm trying to make. But you know what? I tell you, man, it's tough. Because it really does seem like we're all doing the same thing. And it's hard to know where that line is. They, they, I don't know what their argument is. Fox News doesn't fall in line with them. I don't know. It really does just feel like the ultimate goal of what CNN is, no matter what the president says, no matter what his supporters say, they just say the opposite. Their ratings are in the gutter, so they're leaning into it. They're trying to rally an activist base. They're engaging in partisan politicking and lobbying. A news anchor should not tell a governor that they shouldn't allow a company to move. Why would that be okay? I really, really don't get it. But everything's uh, exaggerated. Everything's a lie. And this is what you can get from social media. And as we move into, uh, into, into I, I say 2020, but the, November, the 2020 election in November, it's, it's, it's going to get, it's going to get really, really bad. Take a look at this story from Common Dreams. There will be more death, Trump says. Uh, Trump says he is willing to sacrifice, li- sacrifice lives to reopen U.S. businesses. He absolutely does not want you to view these deaths for what they are, blah, 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 blah. If you go to something like r slash politics on Reddit, you see stuff like this media framing, politicking. I can't stand it. Andrew Cuomo recently came out and said that there will be lives lost. There's nothing they, there's nothing they can do about it. And uh, it's true. Donald Trump said the same thing. But look at how the media frames it. With Donald Trump, it says he's willing to accept, lo- lo- you know, he's willing to risk lives, sacrifice lives for business. No one's saying that about Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo's press briefings are put on TV every day. Trump's aren't. How are we supposed to understand anything if this is what we get? Let, let, me, let, me, let me wrap it up with one final uh, uh, thought on this. The issue, the, the issue is that policy debates 
have nothing to do with what matters anymore. Nancy Pelosi is not proposing bills because she thinks it will help the American people. This is where I believe we are facing a complete total societal collapse. When politicians are no longer acting in the best interest of the people, they're simply acting in a way that they think will result in them getting power. Everything breaks down. Nancy Pelosi's $3 trillion stimulus package has nothing to do with making American lives better. It has everything to do with pandering to the left to getting brownie points. That way she can get reelected and keep her job. You can't solve that problem. I, I don't see how you do it. If all of our politicians are just interested in saying whatever they have to say to get elected, then laws are being passed that make no sense. Money is being given away. It makes no sense. People will get locked up on issues where it makes no sense. And we will just enter a truly broken and fractured reality where nothing makes sense. And it starts with the media, I suppose. But I don't know. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. And I'll see you all then. We have a pretty big development in the Ahmed Arbery case. Text messages were just released showing that the police actually enlisted the suspect's help in dealing with the ongoing trespass at the pre-build construction site. Let me slow down, break it down for you. For those that aren't familiar, this is the Ahmed Arbery case. The family says this man was just out for a jog. Activists have said that two white men jumped in a truck and hunted him down in a lynching. This is absolutely 100% not true. The media has been lying. Individuals involved have been lying. None of this is to say that anything that happened to Ahmed Ahmed Arbery is justified. 99.9% of people believe he should not have lost his life that day. And whenever I tweet any new information, sure enough, I get inundated with people saying, but what does this have to do with the fact that he lost his life? Blah, blah, blah. Listen, this is about the media. It's about the lies. It's about the partisanship, people jumping the gun, trying to push a narrative. And I'll tell you what really bugs me out. I knew the far left was going to lie about this and they did and how, and then some, but the conservatives jumping on this is just, it's awful. The image you see on your screen is a text message from officer. It looks like to officer rush or from officer rush rash. Sorry. And it says your neighbor at Satilla Avenue is Greg McMichael. Greg is retired law enforcement and also a retired investigator for the DA's office. He said, please call him day or night when you get action on your camera. His number is blank. How was it that these two men ended up in their vehicle looking for Ahmed Arbery? Could it be that the police instructed Larry English, the owner of the construction property, to contact Greg McMichael in the event he saw someone on his camera? And that's exactly what he did. You ended up with two men, with a man and his son, uh, uh, taking their weapons, getting in a truck. So now it becomes even more complicated because listen, while most people have agreed they shouldn't have gotten in their truck and gone after this guy, what happens when the police ask you to do it? Can you even then justify a murder charge or even manslaughter? I honestly don't know. I, I think it's hilarious that People just absolutely want to believe the worst things about this. So let me just set you straight right now. I can prove either the media is lying or the homeowner is lying. Now that this, be, this has become a major national story, and this evidence should be enough to show it was barely even vigilantism. And it, it kind of was. But I don't know how to tell you, man, if the police request your assistance, whose fault is it? It's a good question. But it's a, there's, a, there's a far cry from two guys 
who just randomly decided to chase someone down. It's also a far cry from two guys who said, we think this guy committed a crime. Could it be the reason the prosecutor didn't want to go after these men is because the police requested it. You can then call out the police department. That's absolutely fine. But these guys just seem to be, well, dotering dopes who got roped into this, were asked to do it by the police, it would seem. We'll read the story. But the first thing I want to show you is some of the latest developments. Georgia bill would allow voters to disband police department at center of Ahmed Arbery death. I also want to show you this. This is a story from updated May 6th, published May 5th by the Daily Beast. Ahmed Arbery was chased down. Yada, you get the story. In this article from the Daily Beast, they make one very important point. They say this. One was a theft of $2,500 worth of fishing equipment from English's property, which he said he didn't report to police, but confirmed to the Daily Beast. The second report was a theft of a nine millimeter handgun from Travis McMichael's unlocked truck, which was first obtained by the Brunswick News. This is the prosecutor basically saying why the two men went and looked for Ahmed Arbery. There is so much to the story we don't know. Everybody who's jumping the gun and acting like they do know, they don't, and they're making everything worse. The, the conservatives who are doing it in the right-wing media, I find, uh, I, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in you. You're supposed to know better. But of course, they can't, they can't uh, help themselves, right? Everybody just wants to know. They want a virtue signal. Of course, you'll even get the Daily Wire person, uh, personalities trying to virtue signal. I, I don't care. I'm not interested. Literally do not care. You can, you can tweet at me all day and night. You can smack talk me all day and night, post as many videos to Reddit. I don't care. Facts are facts. The truth is the truth. The truth is we haven't had the full picture on this from the get-go. And anybody who thought they knew did not. The same thing happened with Covington. A video emerges and everyone says, I know exactly what happened. And I said, no, you don't. I don't know what happened. And sure enough, I was right. Now about this, Sure, I'll, I'll technically be right in, in saying that we don't know, right? So it's, it's very easy to claim you're right by just saying, I don't know, and you shouldn't jump, you know, jump the gun. Take a look at this story, though. They say $2,500 worth of equipment was stolen and confirmed to the Daily Beast. How is it then that days later, on May 10th, Larry English went on to say, that's completely wrong. I've never had a police report or anything stolen from my property or any." kind of robbery. Wait, 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 hold on. They say Lee Merritt, an attorney for Arbery's family, tweeted a statement Saturday noting that the figure in the video is believed to be Arbery. He engaged in no illegal activity and remained for only a brief period. Merritt's statement read, Ahmed did not take anything from the construction site. He did not cause any damage to the property. The video shows Arbery's murder was not justified and the actions of the men who, who ambushed him were unjustified, Merritt's statement read. Larry English, the man who owns the house under construction, told the Washington Post that the structure was not robbed. Who's lying? Is Larry English lying? I'll give you my opinion. I think Larry English is lying because at first he was like, look, somebody kept breaking, you know, uh, trespassing on my property and stealing stuff. Or I should say someone kept going on my property. Stuff got stolen. So when I saw this, I alerted the man. The police told me to alert. And now we have a more complete picture. Let me now try and paint for you what I think happened. We have seen video footage of some man who looks kind of like Ahmed Arbery walking around this property at night. Similar haircut, similar build. Some people have tried to claim it wasn't him and they've come after me and they've tuned me and boy, have they tried so hard. 
to push their uncorroborated narratives. I tweeted, I, I tweeted an image of surveillance footage that appeared to show Ahmed Arbery at this property at night. Many people said, Tim, the family denies it. That's great. The family denies it. That's not confirmation of anything. I'm not, I, I definitely walked back. I, I believe I made the mistake in the previous video by saying it looked like it was him and, and acting under the assumption it was him. So I will, I will absolutely eat that one and say it was wrong of me to make those assumptions. The video appears to show Ahmed Arbery. It might not be him. According to a witness, I'm sorry, according to Travis McMichael, who on the 11th witnessed this man on the property and did call 911, reported him as a black male about six feet tall. That is in line with the description of Ahmed Arbery that we know. We later saw the footage from the day of where Ahmed Arbery was on the property confirmed by the family. Now, the family says they believe he was just trying to get a drink of water. Perhaps. I find that to be, unfortunately, unconfirmable. We don't know why he was there. I think it's irrelevant. The family is trying to say he was just looking for water because it's a defense of him. That is not relevant to the story, in my opinion. He was on private property. That's it. There's no accusations of robbery against him. He was trespassing, might not even even have been enforceable because there was no sign or whatever. The point is, people are going to say they thought he was casing, casing the joint, trying to rob it because they're trying to make it seem like he had malintent. The family is trying to say he was getting a drink of water to try and defend him. You know what? I lean a little bit towards, I don't think he was just checking things out, especially if Larry English said stuff had been stolen before. But maybe he just very much looks like the man from the previous videos. He's the same height, similar description. And maybe it's, it's, I mean this sincerely, maybe he's not the same person. Here's what I see happening. A weapon is stolen from a vehicle. On February 11th, Travis McMichael called 911 to report a, a black male about six feet tall in this building. He said that he saw him reach into his pants or something to that effect. And, you know, that's in the, he, he may be armed. It was reported to the police on the 11th. We saw the footage released. A loc- uh, uh, some conservative outlets have tried to deny that that was actually him. The family, according to an ABC report, said it wasn't him. I haven't been able to confirm that report because it was just cell phone footage recording a TV. I did see an ABC news story that argued the description may or may not. It made no point whether it was him or not. On the day of February 23rd, there is video released by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is the same source that I'm using with the uh, officer rush texts. In the video, Ahmed Arbery is seen walking, not jogging. He enters the private home. He's there for about three minutes. A man approaches from across the street, calls 911. Arbery leaves the building, sees the man, and then runs, runs for it. Based on this story, police enlisted suspects help months before Arbery's shooting, specifically instructing Larry English to contact, I believe it was to, to, to Larry English, to contact Greg McMichael. Upon seeing the footage on the home camera, I believe Larry English then contacted Greg McMichael and said, the man is in my home again. Greg then told his son, Let's, you know, here, you know, it's happening. They see him running. They say, get in the vehicle. Why? Because the police asked him to. Let's, let me actually read this story, make sure we have all the context correctly. They say, months before the shooting death of Ahmed Arbery, retired Glynn County law enforcement officer Greg McMichael told local police he could help look out for an unwanted visitor to a home construction site in his neighborhood records show. An officer texted McMichael's phone to a property owner in Satilla Shores neighborhood and said he'd offered assistance if anyone came into the construction site. 
McMichael 64 and his son, Travis McMichael, are charged with felony murder. The construction site, a block away from the shooting, has become the focal point. The property owner, the property owned by Larry English, had a motion activated camera that uh, that had picked up an uh, unknown people going onto the site, including a young man who started entering at night in late October. English's phone received an alert and a text with a video each time the cameras activated. He often called police, sometimes texting videos to officers who went to the neighborhood to check on property. After one of those episodes on December 17th, English received a text reply a few days later from Glen, from a Glynn County officer, alerting him that McMichael lived nearby and had offered to help. Greg is retired law enforcement and also a retired investigator from the DA's office. Uh, Robert Rash texted English on December 20th, offering McMichael's phone number. He said, please call him day or night when you get action on your camera. McMichael retired last year as an investigator with the Brunswick District, District Attorney's Office and earlier in his career worked as a Glynn County police officer. The text raises concerns about why an officer would encourage a citizen to contact a former officer if an actual police call for services was needed, said LaGrange Police Chief Lou Deckmar, a past president of the International Association of Chiefs of Police. I'm not aware of any accepted policy for referring someone that requires a police response to delegate that response to a former law enforcement officer who happens to live in the neighborhood. It now seems the real problem here was the local police department, which has been accused of rampant corruption. And there's other, there's other articles talking about this. We now have this story that I mentioned earlier. Georgia bill would allow voters to disband police department at the center of Ahmed Arbery's death. Perhaps that's the appropriate response. Perhaps these two men, Travis McMichael and his father, were just idiots, I guess. You got contacted by the police. The police said we're having problems. The police gave the phone number to this guy and said they'll help out. And this is what you get. They shouldn't have gotten their vehicles. They shouldn't have done this. But it is much, much different. And when they do it just out of their own reckless behavior or when they were referred by the police. Deckmer said, it also gives the perception that McMichael had a relationship with local law enforcement community tasked with investigating the shooting. It adds to the questions of why the GBI wasn't called in immediately after the shooting. If it's not a real conflict, it's certainly a significant perception of one. Perhaps the reason these two men weren't actually charged is because the responsibility was on the local department. These two men are ultimately responsible for the actions they take. It's no excuse simply because the police asked you to do it. It does change things dramatically from a a lynching vigilantism to the police requesting assistance. It's also possible that if the police did charge, or I'm sorry, the DA did charge them and the police made the arrest, it would wrap all of them up in it. So the best thing they could do was kind of sweep it under the rug. If the police tell you to contact local citizens with weapons to deal with something. Yeah, they're responsible too. And maybe that's why they wanted to sweep this all under the rug. Does it mean, so, so, so basically, let me give you the gist of things. We got serious problems with law enforcement in this area. But I think it's fair to point out, we need to address the size of the town because what people need to realize is that city enforcement is dramatically different from rural enforcement where everyone knows each other. Everybody knows the local sheriff, the local police, you know, police officers in big cities. You don't. So it is very different. Let's read more. They say if it's not a real conflict, it's certainly a significant perception of one. Rash had no comment on Friday when contacted about the text, referring questions to his department. Jay Wiggins, Glynn County's interim police chief, didn't return a message seeking comment. 
On May 5th, a video that captured the shooting went viral, as we know. So we've now learned that the video apparently got released because Greg McMichael wanted to clear his name. Talk about, I'll talk about an idiot, man. He thought the video showed that they were acting in self-defense. And that's not what people saw. He didn't know. I don't necessarily blame him for not knowing, but I do think he's responsible for creating the situation. But it, 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 it is tough, man. Who bears ultimate responsibility? I guess the person who took the actions, but it, is, it, it, it really is a, an ethical and legal conundrum if the police at told you to do it. Like in, in New York City, we have many instances where the cops tell you you have to do things. You can't stand here. You have to move. What if a cop told you to do something and you said, okay, and then it ended up you know, hurting somebody? Is it, is it going to be your fault? I mean, ultimately, it might be. I honestly don't know. In this instance, you had two men who took weapons and went out to confront somebody, and that has a real possibility to lead to someone's death. Whether or not that could be manslaughter, I think that makes the most sense. I ultimately don't know. And I think that's the, that's the big takeaway from all this. What we've learned from this, whether I can speculate on anything or not, is that everyone was wrong. I think it's hilarious. There are a bunch of Reddit threads where, you know, people have posted the video and accused me of whatever. And they're like, Tim, it's not the hill to die on. You're being not, you're not being objective on this. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. I don't bend the knee for anybody. I don't care if the conservatives say it. I don't care if the liberals say it. I don't care who says it. I don't care if you're posting to this subreddit, that subreddit. I don't care how many times you tweeted me. I just don't care. You're wrong. Everyone was wrong. The only thing I'd said was that we don't know. Started out by saying the narrative was wrong, and it was. Now, you want to have an argument about this? You want to have an argument, uh, argument about the police department and what this means and whether or not it should be disbanded? By all means. <laughs> by all means, have that argument. I do not believe local police should be instructing uh, uh, you know, people to contact neighbors to deal with these kinds of issues. But I don't know what the solution is, man. I don't know what you do. If you've got someone who did steal your stuff, let me tell you something, man. We've got a problem of, as, as Scott Adams refers to it, the same movie, but it's the same screen with two different movies, right? Meaning that we're all watching the same thing, but everyone sees something different. If you read the Washington Post, which does lean left, they will tell you Larry English said nothing had been stolen. He, rep- stolen. he had reported nothing. You will then see derivative articles pop up saying there were no robberies. These two men lied. You will then see those who desperately want this to be the story running with that narrative. If you read the Daily Beast, which is also a left-wing publication, you will then believe that Larry English reported confirmed $2,500 worth of fishing equipment was, was stolen. If you then want the narrative to be that it wasn't a lynching, then you will probably run with this data point and a bunch of other outlets will then pick this one up and run with it as well. Here's, here's, what I, here's, here's, here's my personal opinion. Take it or don't. I think Larry English was, the property was, this guy stole from his, his property. I believe his fishing equipment had been taken. I think he had initially said, this is what happened on May 5th, and the Daily Beast confirmed it. The Daily Beast confirmed it. Did the Washington Post confirm anything? No, because you can't prove a negative. He just said, nope, never been stolen. He said, okay, good, good enough for us. Did the Washington Post not care to seek out a comment from the Daily Beast? Did they not know? I don't know. I think Larry English, English, changed his story and started lying because he's now facing death threats. And part of the problem is that the right-wing media, who's supposed to typically call out the fake news, uh, they decided not to do it this time. This time they said, nah, we're going to virtue signal along with everybody else. And uh, that's a mistake. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care what anyone wants to say. The fact is the story changed. 
And we're now going to have two different, diver, you know, divergent narratives. You're going to see annoying viral videos from lefty activists being like, there was never any burglaries even. It was all a lie. He just wanted water. And then other people saying, you know, fishing equipment had been stolen. It's clearly the same guy. This guy was cased in the joint. He got caught. I've heard a lot of rumors, man. Every, this, this is not the story of a lynching. This is not the story of two men hunting somebody down. It's a story of consistent trespass, stolen property, a local uh, uh, inept police department giving advice to a man to contact a neighbor, the neighbor then doing something profoundly stupid with his son, resulting in the loss of life of somebody who didn't deserve to have their life ended. I do not believe in the death penalty. I I firmly oppose the death penalty 100%. And I get a ton of flack from conservatives over my stance on abortion versus my stance on the death penalty. Yes, because these are profoundly difficult questions to answer when it comes to ethics and morality. And you know what? I had a great conversation with Glenn Beck about it on his podcast. You can look up the episode. And um, maybe there's a bit of an update that needs to occur there. But I mean, there are serious challenges. I do not believe that if, if you have contained a threat that someone should lose their life. And I'm talking about the death penalty. In the instance of Ahmed Arbery, that we have prior evidence to suggest Travis, Travis McMichael thought this man may have been armed. You could then argue they were justified in taking their weapons out of fear for their lives. If they were instructed to by the police, maybe that's the narrative, man. I'm just sick of all of this. I'm sick of every day, everybody just thinking they know the truth about everything. I'm tired of having conversations with people who are adamantly in favor of policy and positions, and they literally don't know what they're talking about. Call me a milk toast fence sitter. Why? Because I demand facts and evidence and proof before I make a decision on how we need to move forward. Now, I know I get it. The milk toast fence sitter thing is mostly a joke, okay? Somebody posted in a comment once, and I love it. I thought it was hilarious. I appreciate it. I think I think it's a fair. Uh, I, I think it's a fair um, dig at me, right? Not that it's literal. It's meant to be silly. I certainly have very strong convictions when it comes to media, as you can see with this video. But every day I hear someone say, "We must have this policy." Why? Because I know, and I'm like, "No, you don't. You're as dumb as a box of rocks, and so is everybody else, and I am no exception." Everybody thinks they're smarter than everybody else. The smart, sane, and rational thing you can do is just have doubt and say, Pixar didn't happen. I don't literally mean it. I mean, provide the evidence, back it up. And when you hear a story like this, you got to chill. You got to slow down. It doesn't matter though. Larry English is backpedaled. He's changing his story saying, I'm just a victim in this one. Well, there you go. The court of public opinion has spoken. The court of public opinion demands blood, and they'll probably get it. We'll see how it plays out. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcast. Go to timcast.net to check out this new channel you may have not seen. It's actually my older channel, but uh, I'll see you there. California may become a red state. Because of failed coronavirus leadership, Navarro tells Hannity, ha, 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 I laugh. I laugh at the silly idea of California becoming a red state. It's not like Republicans just got a 21-point swing in their favor in a previously blue district. Oh, they did. Okay, well, still, Republicans won California's 25th district, but it was Republican before Katie Hill won. She had a nine-point advantage, and then it flipped 21 points to the Republicans, but this is an anomaly. It's not like in the UK, they had some of the most uh, profound victories for the conservative party in a hundred years. They did. All right. All right. All right. I'll drop, I'll drop the bit. 
California may become a red state. I almost don't want to believe it. Okay. I mean, I really don't want to believe it, but I'll tell you what we saw in the UK, something crazy. The, the conservative party, I, I, I don't want to get too much into UK politics because they use different words. So I'll just say the conservative party had a victory so profound that, that certain areas that had not voted conservative in like a hundred years flipped and people were shocked. I mean, the left got crushed, crushed is an understatement. So I wonder what's going to happen when you get people like Elon Musk saying, I don't want to be in California anymore. And, and, and he's actually announced apparently some cities who are, are contenders for where he might end up going. Look at this, Austin or Tulsa. You then get people like Joe Rogan saying, if they keep this lockdown going on much longer, I'm gonna go to Texas. And then you bring these, you know, people like Joe, who's pretty much lefty to Texas and you see Texas turn a little blue. But anyway, the point is maybe a combination of people who are moderate, who vote Democrat, flipping Republican because of the lockdown orders, as well as an exodus of wealthier liberal elites, California might actually turn red. Now, I don't think so. That's a tall order. The possibility exists. Let's read and see why Peter Navarro thinks so from Fox, uh, from Fox News. California, the nation's most populous state, is making a mistake by not following the lead of other states like Georgia and Florida that are working to reopen their economies from coronavirus shutdowns, Peter Navarro said Thursday night. The White House trade advisor shared his views during an appearance on Fox News as Hannity. Host Sean Hannity noted that both Georgia and Florida have seen drops in new cases of coronavirus in recent weeks and have been looking to get businesses operating again in contrast to California. Quote, now they're talking about never opening Los Angeles until there's a cure. Well, if they want to do that, I guess then they're going to have to hear, uh, bear the brunt of the cost of that. But can't we learn from the states that did well than from the states that flopped and fell on their faces? Navarro 70, a native of Massachusetts who lives in California, agreed with Hennedy's view. California is my home state. I think it's going to become a red state with that kind of leadership. The reality is that if we don't open this economy back up, we're not going to have an economy. You're going to see poor people looking at the Democratic leadership and questioning it. But I think there's a, there's a, a more realistic possibility. You see, people who are Democrats are Democrats. They don't want to change. They won't flip. They'll vote for a different Democrat. It'll come if they even know about the primary. If it comes to a primary for like, you know, Newsom or somebody and you've got Democrat versus Democrat, then they see an alternative. They're just going to stay in the blue lane. If it comes to a general and people don't pay attention, then they might just say, you got to vote Republican. What we saw in New York was actually really devastating for, for Democrats and for Andrew Cuomo. The rich people had fled, basically. The New York Times reports that a large portion of the wealthy people in New York City are gone. I think around 40% was the report. That's an absurd amount of tax revenue that they're not going to have. But more importantly, it's, the, it's a census year. So if these people haven't already filled that out, they may as well not live there anymore. Now, many of them may can come back. We'll see what happens. But this could dramatically change the makeup of various states, jurisdictions, congressional seats. Think about this. Everybody is temporarily displaced right now in a census year. What happens when they all move around? then we get a totally different picture of what the census is going to look like. This is going to, to alter and confuse and break polling and politics for a very, very long time. Let's read some more. They say California has seen protests in communities such as Huntington Beach, where demonstrators have sought rollbacks on, of restrictions on businesses and on use of public beaches, many in effect for nearly two months. On Tuesday night, U.S. Navy veteran Mike Garcia a Republican won a U.S. House seat in Southern California that was previously held by a Democrat. 
And another sign of frustration with Democratic Governor Newsom's orders, as well as local rules. Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, recently said he planned to move jobs out of the state. And here's the other reality that the medical doctors haven't been telling you, Navarro continued. Yeah, the China virus kills directly. But what if we keep our economy shut down? We're not only going to lose trillions of dollars in wealth and economic activity. That China virus shock to the economy kills as well. Suicides, drug abuse, depression. And guess what? All those people who couldn't go to the hospital during this lockdown to get procedures for their heart, the kidneys and all of that, that kills too. It's time to get back to work, Navarro concluded. We know a lot more than we did when this first hit us. When it came in like a lightning bolt from China because they hid the virus from us, we can do this, Navarro said, about getting the U.S. recovery underway. Don't forget one thing. This is the jobs president, Sean. And this is where we're going to get to the other side of this, he added, referring to President Trump. Innovation, manufacturing, right here in the good old U.S. of A., that's our mission. He's got a point. This is a point I've brought up several times, and many, many other people are starting to bring it up now. The economy is in serious trouble. We can't remain locked down forever. Some courts have overruled the lockdown orders. Things are starting to open back up in many places. I can even see it in YouTube metrics and podcast metrics. This is good news. We got to be careful about the coronavirus. It is novel. People will get infected. They can get sick. So you got to take social distancing seriously. One thing I really don't get are these conservative pundits mocking people for wearing masks like masks stop you from getting other people sick. It minimizes when you breathe, the, the, the droplets from your breath aren't going out. That's the point of wearing the mask, not to protect yourself. This is one thing that's like confusing a lot of people early on. They said, don't get masks because people were buying masks thinking it would protect them, particularly N95s. It can, if properly worn and used with other protective equipment. They said, don't buy these. Later on, they started saying, now wear masks. Yes, they were saying, now wear masks so you don't you know, get other people sick. Anyway, I digress. The story of the New York Times, California's warning signs for Democrats. The party needs to figure out how to adopt, to adapt to post-coronavirus politics to hold on to the seats that it flipped in 2018. The warning is much worse than that. California law, uh, lost CA25. It went back to being red, but it was a massive swing. This is a preview, man. This is a warning to Democrats of what's going to happen around the country. They said this district is not unique. The districts they won from Trump were all very similar, and they know it. And if this is what you're going to see, I'd be willing to bet Republicans win back the House. We'll see how it plays out. But the lockdowns, I believe, are angering regular people. You go online, you go on social media, you see a bunch of grumpy, lazy leftists who are like, I don't want to work. It's not fair. Just have the government print money for me. That's not how things work. You can't just snap your fingers and there's food. People got to make the food. People got to do the services. They got to make the products. We're talking about we got food shortages coming. We got meat shortages. We got grain shortages. We got mushroom shortages now. You think you, 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 these people don't even realize what's to come because the hiccup in the supply line is going to take a long time for, it to, for, for you to actually see it. And we're already starting to one in five Wendy's doesn't even sell cheeseburgers anymore. No beef. So, yeah, the economy being shut down is disrupting everything. It will get worse. And regular people, they might not care that Donald Trump is a potty mouth when they can't get a cheeseburger. California, you will be surprised in and out burger. How about that, California? Everybody loves their In-N-Out burger animal style. Many of you might not know what that is, but California's got a famous burger joint called In-N-Out. They got a famous way of cooking it called animal style with cheese and sauce, and it's all good. Everybody loves it. What happens when there's no more beef? 
What happens when you can't get this food? Regular people might not react to politics like you or I. They might be watching, you know, a re- reruns of Family Guy and just not caring, being, I don't know, whatever, I'm playing video games. But I'll tell you what really will impact them when they can't get a slice of pizza, when they can't get, you know, because the dairy is being, you know, disrupted, because they can't get a cheeseburger. The cheeseburger, I mean, it's serious. So this is, this is, I bring this up for a reason. We talk about California turning red. I do think it's absurd. I would never, I mean, look, I understand California was red like through the 80s, like, you know, for a long time it was red, but it changed. Right now, according to the, the, the current demographics, it's like 66% Democrat, and like 33% Republican. How would you swing that many people? I don't buy it. But man, we, we did see a major swing happen in the UK. So I've often talk about, talked about what really motivates people. With the Arab Spring, with revolutions, food plays a big factor. You go, to, you go to your uncle, your aunt, your niece, your nephew, whoever, people in your family, and you argue politics, and they'll argue politics all day. You know, people won't argue. Why is the cheeseburger gone? What do you mean there's no beef? It's like, hey, uh, what are we doing today? Oh, let's get some Wendy's. We can't. Wait, what? We can't. Why not? Because of the shutdown. Well, and then end the shutdown. We can't. Why? Because the Democratic governor doesn't want, it, want, doesn't want to reopen. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that when it comes to the ballot box, I got a choice between Republican says bring the cheeseburgers back. Democrat says no cheeseburgers for anybody. What do you think the Americans going to vote for? I know I'm being a bit reductive and being silly, but expand that argument to its, uh, its natural uh, uh, conclusion. I'm not just talking about cheeseburgers. I'm talking about the disruption of the economy, taking away people's uh, vices, the things they like, the things they enjoy are disappearing, and they're going to have an option to vote for the economy being reopened so they can get back to enjoying that double bacon cheeseburger with barbecue sauce and onion rings crunched into it with a big old side of sweet potato fries. You can't get that right now. You can. You can. I know. I know. I'm being a bit hyperbolic. But some stores were seeing meat shortages. I, I warned all of you. I said, like that movie Daybreakers, where the vamp- it's the one about where all the people are vampires. He goes to the cafe and he's like, I want more blood in my coffee. And she's like, I can't do it. And he goes nuts and he attacks her. Someone already attacked a store clerk over a meat, the, meat, the meat restrictions. He wanted to buy a bunch of beef. She said, you can't. So we attacked her. And they got arrested, I guess. Look, man, people, if, you, if, if this guy's willing to attack a cashier at a supermarket because he wants his beef, what do you think someone's willing to do in California? Yeah, they might be Democrat their whole life. But now they're looking at the guy who says you can get all the cheeseburgers you want and no cheeseburgers for you. They're going to be like rubber stamp red, man. We'll see how it plays out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. One of the stupidest videos I've ever seen go viral. A bunch of angry Trump supporters, anti-lockdown protesters yelling at a journalist that he's fake news. And that's about it. Oh, but the delicate sensibilities of people at CNN and other journalists. But but these people are being mean to us. Oh, no. Oh, poor babies. Man, try going to a foreign country and doing journalism. I was in Venezuela. Let me tell you what it's like when people don't like you because you're a journalist. No, I'm sorry. Some Trump supporters were mean to you. Trump shares video of protesters confronting reporter. Fake news is not essential. And that's true. This has to do with this guy. His name is Kevin Vesey, and he is really milking this man. Jim Acosta would be proud. In fact, I think he is. <laughs> this is, look, man, a journalist showed up to a protest. People called him fake news. He filmed it, and he was like, look at this. They're being so mean to me, bro. We'll go to an Antifa protest and then talk about this, all right? Calm down. So Donald Trump tweets this out. The dude gets all excited. I love this. 
He's like the level of anger directed at the media from these protesters was alarming. This was my story aired on TV. And then he actually did like a director's commentary style thing. Our Kevin VC relives the <laughs> relives the moment several protesters angrily confronted him while he broadcasted on Facebook Live. This is journalism today. It's all about me, man. The story is me, me, me. Talk about me. The president retweeted me. Isn't that what he said? Let's let's look at this guy's Twitter account. What's he? Oh, okay. Now I've been retweeted twice by President Trump. This video has really struck a chord. And just like that, I've been retweeted by the president. Bravo. I'm so proud. When you went to journalism school, were you hoping that one day you would be the story the president would be talking about? I'm sure many people did. That's why they do this. That's why when they're sitting in that stupid Rose Garden press conference, the lady pulls her mask off. Why were you asking me that question, Trump? Shut up. It's not stories, not you. You're supposed to be helping us understand things. But of course, but of course, Tim Pool will complain about CNN again. Because as you know, I'm basically becoming the CNN review channel. That's right. I can rag on Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy for being the Fox News review channel. And then I can rag on myself for being the CNN review channel. But to be fair, I, I think it's, it's, I'm calling them out for doing this. Not that I think it's much better, but what can I say? I care about it. I don't think they really do. I think they're lying. There's a big difference between complaining about one network all day and me calling out the media in general, including News 12 and CNN. But hey, I'm not going to pretend like I'm much better than they are. All we do is complain about this, uh, uh, complain about each other. But Brian Stelter writes some of the most disingenuous garbage I have ever seen. This dude has totally lost the plot. I tell you what, News reporters become subjects of ire at anti-lockdown protests. You guys are going to love this. Are you ready? I hope you're ready. I usually come up short when I reach for words to describe the radicalization of the far right in America. He did it. No, Brian. Trump supporters out with signs yelling fake news. Far right? Oh, come on, brother. You have not stepped one foot in any of these actual protests dealing with far left and far right. I'm sorry. A bunch of suburbanite moms with signs are not the far right. They probably don't pay attention a whole lot to politics. They're not going around, you know, waving signs all day, every day. They came out for a single protest. They are not the radicalized far right. Calm down. But I get it. You got to make money, right? This short video conveys it like no words can. Kevin Vesey, reporter for News 12 Long Island, covered a reopening rally in Comac on Thursday. Vesey was harassed by a bevy of pro-Trump protesters who called him fake news, a traitor, and so on. After he shared the video on Twitter and it went viral, Vesey followed up by saying, I'll probably never forget what happened today. I was insulted. I was berated. I was practically chased by people. And what is Antifa? Explaining the movement to confront the far right. The assault of conservative journalists in Portland, Oregon, over the weekend has brought renewed attention to anti-fascist protesters who he blamed for the attack. What did Brian Stelter do when it came to Andy No being brutally attacked and beaten in the street? A blurb. It's wrong. Don't do this to journalists. Anyway, moving on. Did he give us some beautiful thesis on the radicalization of the left in this country? No, of course he didn't. He gave it a blurb. He had to. Everyone was talking about it. I'm sorry. What was that? Kevin Vesey had some mean words said to him. I love, I love the, 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 the sheer absurdity and, and, and the obviousness of the lies and the deception. 
He doesn't care. Brian Souther doesn't care. This is why he's just, he's a TV show at this point. I think they need to put a disclaimer on the front of his show. Like this is not real news. This is reality television. You know, here's what he says. Uh, I was uh, all the while I was there to tell their story. He did. And he filed this fair report at the end of the day. Yeah. Where he ragged on the protesters over not social distancing. He was out there without a mask on too. Or actually, I think he pulls his mask off to talk to the camera. Among the verbal arrows targeting Vessi, you're disgusting. You are the virus. You are the enemy of the people. You shouldn't be here. Traitor. F you. You got. Yeah. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. The crowd didn't reflect all Trump supporters, nor did it reflect all Long Islanders. But these behaviors towards the news media, the intolerance, the indecency have all been modeled by President Trump. Brian, didn't you call out Antifa for attacking Andy? No. Are you telling me that Antifa was modeled by Donald Trump to attack journalists? Spare me, bro. No one should be surprised to see it infect local communities, but everyone should be disturbed by it. Constructive critiques make journalism better, but destructive attacks make society worse. I'm so glad that you dedicate your show all day to talking about the reporters who were attacked and injured, the people who were chased out, had their lives threatened. I was physically attacked by Antifa. I don't remember you saying anything. I remember when I did a video. Oh, who was it? It was Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson had me on his show to talk about Antifa attacking me, as did, I believe, Jesse Waters. So I get to go on Fox News and talk about it. But where's Brian Stelter? Hmm, mum's the word. No one could ignore what happened to Andy. No, he was pelted with milkshakes punched several times, left bleeding. I think he was bleeding from his ears and his nose or whatever, chipped a tooth or something. I think it knocked a tooth out. So we had no choice but to bring it up. Now you can see the true, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, dishonesty, I guess. It's a little weak. I was hoping for something stronger, but we'll, just, we'll call it dishonesty. Uh, Brian Seltz is a grifter because he's claiming this is, I, I kid you not, the, the radicalization of the far right. Are you kidding me, dude? Right, come on, man. Brian knows this is not real. He knows these people aren't far right. I mean, let, let me pull up this video. It's just a dude. It's just a guy with, what is it? What? So there's a guy wearing a Trump shirt and he's saying you're fake news. That's it. We got, we got some lady. This lady's far right. Bro, bro the journalist looks more, more alt right than they do. More far right than they do. Look at him. Clean cut white guy with blue eyes, hair slicked off to the side, wearing a suit. These people just like, <laughs> look like regular suburbanites. He's the one who's dressed all fancy like. But Brian Seltzer wants to say they're the far right reporters as targets at protests. Dude, Brian, have you never covered anything having to do with protests ever? This is normal, but it's always the far left. Now, I don't think these Trump supporters should be doing what they did, confronting journalists, but they're looking for a symbol to attack. It's something similar left wing activists do. And this is what you get. Brian won't play fair with you. CNN won't play fair with you. You see a journalist out there doing fake news, I'll tell you what you should do. You should walk up, shake their hand and say, thank you for coming. And that's it. Because look what they do the moment you give them any fodder. He says, the far right is being radicalized because they were mean to a journalist. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I remember being uh, chased. I, I, oh, ooh, I got one for you. When I was in one country. A guy actually stopped me with his buddies. Where they were all wearing masks. And he held a Molotov cocktail up to my face the radicalization of the far right, bro. He says, as it so happens, the NYT's Mark Tracy just penned a new story about anti-lockdown protesters raging against reporters. One encounter in Columbus went viral earlier this month, and journalists in at least three other states have been involved in altercations at anti-lockdown protests in recent weeks. Tracy wrote, 
In Germany, reporters covering similar protests have been victims of at least four assaults, according to the International Press Institute. Yeah, cry me a river, man. I'll tell you what. The media walks in lockstep with the Democratic Party. The media walks in lockstep with this tribal faction, even when we see courts overturning some of these rules, favoring the protests. It's the strangest thing. They lie. They lie all the time. So what happens is they go out and they're like, we're just here to tell your story. They're not. This dude, Kevin Vesey, dragged these protesters, mocked them, insulted them. He didn't go there to tell a fair story. He went there to get this and then gloat about how the president was retweeting him. Journalists aren't supposed to make themselves the story. I was asked to do it on several occasions, and I said no on several occasions. I was in Venezuela. We were forced to flee after I was accused of being a CIA agent by a high profile Venezuelan personality. I kid you not. I was told, can this be the story? I said no, and I left. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I am the story. Sometimes the story is Gonzo reporting. I've done interviews. I've gone on the ground where the story is like Tim's adventure, you know, in this particular place. But when we were going for very specific stories, I would try my hardest in many circumstances to avoid being the story myself. It happened a couple times. When I, when I announced I was leaving Milwaukee one time because the riots were getting really bad and they were targeting people they, saw it, they thought were, were, were white. Because most of these people didn't, don't know my, you know, ethnic makeup. And because I watched an eight-year-old, 18-year-old kid get shot in the neck, I thought it would be appropriate to leave. I ended up doing a video about it, explaining why I was, why I was leaving, because people had requested I had go there. And so the challenge was, if I just leave and stop covering this without saying anything, people are going to be like, you know, WTF, mate. So I made a video saying, hey, here's why I'm leaving. That became a big story among many conservatives who jumped on it and, and, and pushed it forward because it suited, you know, their opinions and things like that. It does happen. But this shouldn't be, this shouldn't be it. Having some people yell at you isn't threatening, isn't a story. This guy filmed it all and made it an event. And then I kid you not, he actually did like, what, what, what did I just pull up? He actually did a director's commentary. Look at this. He's like, let me, let me explain to you what happened and I'll walk you through the video. Oh, bro, shut up. For shame. Right wing, far right radicalization. Hey, man, at a certain point, I just laugh. It's just so dumb. I got one more segment coming, coming up for you in a few minutes. I'll see y'all shortly. U.S. would lose a war with China fought in the Pacific, is unable to defend Taiwan from an invasion, and fears the Guam military base is at risk now, Pentagon sources warn. A lot of people have said that China's a paper tiger, that they would never be able to actually stand up against us. But what people don't realize is that U.S. military, as strong as it is, is drawn thin across the world. And if China focuses its, its firepower specifically in the South China Sea or in the Pacific, they actually could succeed at pushing us off. I don't, I don't know about defeating us, but holding us at bay, to say the least. Now, there have been some reports I've heard that they're doing beaching training. And with the latest strike groups passing through and near Taiwan, there's concern they may seek to invade and take Taiwan. This is why this story is so interesting. But let's read so I can make sure we get the context correct. They say eye-opening Pentagon war games have revealed growing fears the U.S. is vulnerable to threats from China and that any attack would lead to the U.S. suffering capital losses, the sources said. 
The worrying analysis is expected to come to light in the Pentagon's 2020 China military power report this summer. The stark warning comes as tensions continue to mount between the two nations after U.S. President Donald Trump has blasted China's handling of the coronavirus pandemic and repeatedly suggested the nation lied about the extent of its crisis. Let's not talk about suggestions. Everyone said so. Germany has said so. Look, man, we did the elephant walk in Guam. Apparently, they pulled those planes out because they were concerned it is vulnerable. This lines up with that. Based on what China's been doing and trying to slow things down and cause harm during the pandemic, there's a lot of reasons to suggest we are facing the brink of war. Now, some people have said this is routine. And I brought that point up. Maybe we're just hyper-focused on this stuff. We're bored. We're locked indoors. We're seeing it now. I'm not entirely convinced. I think we are seeing a dramatic, uh, uh, maybe not too dramatic, but we're seeing serious escalation, especially because of the lockdown. They say U.S. defense sources told the Times that one Pentagon simulation based on the year 2030, when China would have new, uh, new attack submarines, aircraft carriers, and destroyers resulted in the U.S. being overwhelmed by the nation's force. The threat is more immediate than 2030, however, with every U.S. base in the Indo-Pacific Command region considered to be at risk of attack now because China has ramped up its supply of medium-range ballistic missiles. The U.S. island territory Guam, home to three U.S. military bases, is a particular concern the games revealed. China has long-range anti-ship ballistic missiles and hypersonic, uh, hypersonic missiles one U.S. defense source told The Times. Analysis from U.S. experts on China have issued similar warnings. Bonnie Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington and a consultant for the U.S. government on East Asia, told The Times that Taiwan is the most volatile issue between the two nations and fears tensions would erupt in a nuclear war. Wow, really? Yikes. Taiwan has increasingly found itself caught in the middle of the political games between the two superpowers. And Trump has been vocal in his support for Taiwan. Recently, we learned from Reuters that the state security agency, the Ministry of State Security in China, delivered a report to high-ranking officials in China, including Xi Jinping, warning they must prepare for the worst case scenario, direct physical confrontation with the US, aka war. I don't know if that means we'll actually see war, but more of these stories keep popping up. We are in a conflict, mind you. A lot of people, they, they like to bring this up because I guess I don't say it enough. But with China and Russia and other countries constantly engaging in IP theft, cyber war, manipulation, disinformation, yeah, we really are at war. There are serious concerns that China will try to interfere in this upcoming election, and they probably already are. I mean, we see the fake troll accounts, and sometimes they're easy to spot, sometimes they aren't. But this, we're talking about Chinese intelligence manipulating Americans to vote for something that would favor them in their conflict. That, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's hard to say if it's an act of war. Kind of is, though. What's the point of war, right? Gain control, take resources. Well, if you can do that without lifting a finger, you can do it by sending ideas and controlling people's minds through social media manipulation. Then we're dealing with something very serious. The coronavirus caused massive damage to a lot of countries, and China lied about it, exploited it for economic gain. Now we have this. I'm, I don't want to say I'm bullish on a full, full on war, but I think we're close. The Communist Party in China claims Taiwan as its own territory, but it does not have sovereign control there. 
Chinese President Xi Jinping has made it clear he wants Taiwan back under its one China principle by 2050, and this week demanded the island accept Chinese status if it wants to be represented at the World Health Organization assembly next week. Beijing military activities have been ramped up in the South and East China Seas, including harassing carriers and constructing military outposts on artificial islands it has built in the disputed waters. Meanwhile, the U.S. has also increased its military presence in the seas and antagonized China by increasing its ties with Taiwan through boosting arms sales to the country. Every simulation that has been conducted looking at the threat from China by 2030 have all ended up with the defeat of the U.S., said Glazer. Taiwan is the most volatile issue because it could uh, because that could escalate to a war with the U.S., even to a nuclear war. Wow. I mean, that's a bold statement. I've not heard something as extreme as that. I mean, we've talked about maybe regional conflict. We've talked about maybe we go to we, we get into some kind of conflict with China in the Pacific. But I mean, if it came down to nuclear war, we're talking about mutually assured destruction. What we're we talking about World War Three. I think it's I, I think it's I think it's a bit extreme. But who am I to say this is an expert, right? In the Pentagon and State Departments in the White House, China is now seen as the biggest threat. We have been too passive in the past. One source told the Times the regional commander, Admiral Philip Davidson, has also sounded warnings and the Pentagon is switching its approach in preparation. There's a focus on developing more hypersonic weapons, sending more long range ground launched cruise missiles to the Asian Pacific region, region, and arming marine units along China's seas with anti-ship missiles, they said. Mark Esper, the defense secretary, is aggressively moving to build the capabilities that we need to deter China from committing to a major confrontation, they said. On Friday, President Trump announced the U.S. is developing what he called a super duper missile, which he boasted is 17 times faster than missiles available right now. Okay, President Trump, the super duper missile is not particularly confidence building, but I respect the attempt, I guess. Look, I don't like war. I don't like the talk of this stuff. But if you want people to feel safe, man, you got to say something other than super duper missile, maybe like, you know, the kill dozer extreme 9000 or something. But I'll take super duper, I guess. We are building incredible military equipment, he said, as he, uh, as he staged a very special moment and unveiled the new flag of the Space Force on Friday. We have, I call it, uh, we have, I call it the super duper missile. <laughs> and I heard the other night 17 times faster than what they have right now. When you take the fastest missile we have right now, you've heard Russia has five times and China's working on five or six times. We have one 17 times. The same day, the U.S. revealed a Taiwanese company would set up a factory in Arizona to make computer chips in the U.S., taking custom away from China. Tensions between the U.S. and China have escalated in recent months as the coronavirus pandemic has ravaged the globe. The U.S. has led the charge against China over its response to the pandemic. President Donald Trump has accused Beijing in a series of cover uh, uh, has accused Beijing of a series of cover-ups amid the outbreak and said in April. He had seen evidence the virus started in the Wuhan Virology Laboratory. He also warned he could impose tariffs of $1 trillion on China in retribution for the pandemic. Beijing has hit back at the claims with a spokesman for China's foreign ministry last month, warning the enemy is the virus, not China. Well, I'll tell you what, man. For the longest time, China has been extracting our manufacturing, extracting our intellectual property, stealing, cloning, copying, and taking advantage of us. They said that by normalizing trade with China, it would make China more Western. In fact, it didn't. 
People in this country, in the US, politicians just sold us out, outsourcing to a foreign country. And Trump had enough. Trump stepped in. And throughout his administration, there has been ongoing tension between China and the US dealing with the economy. It's been very beneficial to the United States for the most part. Now, the media will try and tell you that all the time, like, oh, no, it was all bad and the tariffs were bad and everything was wrong and Trump's doing subsidies and all these bad things. But our economy was a booming up on until this coronavirus pandemic hit. Then it negatively impacted one of our aircraft carriers. It's devastated our economy and the economies of many other countries. And who is claiming to be the least affected? China. They're claiming only a few thousand people. We think they're lying. But what if they're not? I don't know. I don't know. What if they really weren't hit that hard? And what if this is hitting everyone else and China is exploiting it, slowing us down, trying to make things worse? They lied from the get go. And now we're dealing with the real possibility of war because tensions keep escalating. And I've seen it. There's there are some products I've looked at that unknowingly, a lot of people don't realize how much is made in China. They're out of stock. Supply chain disruption is here. We got to start bringing things back to this country. If we end up in a war, we're in serious trouble. What's fascinating about this is that I believe I, bought, I, brought, I brought this up in a story years ago. I talked about the risk that we face with China because they controlled our manufacturing. And I said, if China decided to declare war on us right now and snap their fingers, they got all of our factories and resources in their country. They could just do it. And then what do we eat? Our vitamins come from that country. Our, our medical equipment, our antibiotics. Yeah, Trump was right to get us out. But now China seems to be rather upset. And this story looks like bad news for the U.S., Trump also said he wanted to rebuild the military. Maybe they need to do more. I'll leave it there. I will see you all tomorrow on this channel at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.